Welcome to the Perfect First Layer Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast where we answer questions from you, the 3D printing community. My name is Guy from Guy's Shop, and as always, with our are my co-hosts, JJ and Nathan. Hello. Hi. Hi. And we do depend on your questions for this podcast, so if you have one for our panel, please go to perfectfirstlayer.com, go to the submit page, and send it. We also have a Patreon, and we only have one level right now. We're simply asking for a small donation to help keep this podcast going. So please go to patreon.com slash perfectfirstlayer. So what do you what do you have going on in the lab right now, Nathan? Well, I finally posted a video today. Did you? Yeah. I missed it. Nice. What's it on? Uh, the Creality K1C. Oh, nice. So I did have a bit of issues with it, and it's all in there. Um, but yeah. Well, <laughs> That's a long, long video, right? I think I saw. It's 58 close, minutes. Close to an hour. Yeah. <laughs> so Comprehensive. There you go. Yeah, it's a comprehensive guess, video. Just get started with that when you've got a lot of time to spare, or if you're about to fall asleep, just click on it and then uh, you know, <laughs> let it play the full length. So bottom bottom line is, is it worth, what is it, like $100 more than the K1? Um, I'm not sure what the MSRP is. If, you, if you're saying it's $100 more, that would make it uh, $699. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, it's $560. Maybe, I think it'll be released tomorrow. Okay. Yeah, five sixty. Okay. I, I'm on Creality's website, and they say the K1C is coming. Um. <laughs> so yeah, basically it's the K1. It's yeah, basically, basically the K1. <laughs> Doesn't it have? It's got like a different nozzle, right? And it's supposedly set up with all hardened steel stuff, so you can use like carbon fiber. Yeah, that's the idea. Mm-hmm. Um. It says the supported filaments, uh, like I have the comparison spec sheet up right now. It's the same size. I mean, basically everything on it's the same, except the it has a new nozzle and hot end setup. And uh, mm-hmm. there's a couple other minor differences in there. And I go over all of it in the video. Like most reviews probably won't <laughs> go into that level of detail. But like the pulleys are a different size and uh, for oh, the motors. Okay. The mm. motors are a little bit smaller. I didn't notice that. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a, a laundry list of small changes that they made, and it's mostly cost optimization. It's like, what's the point of using the big motors when you can make them smaller and still get the same speed out of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the main headline difference is that support for carbon fiber printing, but the K1 Max also had that ability. Um, the K1 Max shipped with a bimetallic nozzle that had a hardened steel insert, so, you know, in theory, you should have been able to print uh, carbon fiber reinforced filaments with that as well. But maybe the extruder is slightly different. I don't know. Maybe they have hard extruder gears. It does say it's an all-metal extruder on the K1C versus the older dual gear extruder on the K1 and K1 Max. So the extruder should be a little bit stronger for those more ag- aggressive filaments. Yeah, um, but, but I don't cre- know how much that really changes things. Creality's definition of an all-metal extruder is a little bit suspect, though, because <laughs> on the Ender 3 S1, it came with the Sprite hot end, which had a plastic housing and hmm. uh, plastic gears with a metal drive gear. Um, and then you upgrade to the Ender 3 S1 Pro, and that one they claimed it had an all-metal direct drive extruder, 
but the only part that they made metal was the housing and it still had nylon gears on the inside. Okay. Hmm. So it's hard to tell what Creality means when they say all metal, but yeah. yeah. Um, I, I do have one of those printers. I, I, I just pulled it out of the box this weekend and took a quick look at it. And I, I noticed a few really small things, like you said, like the one thing I noticed immediately is that the rubber feet on the bottom don't fall off on the floor every time I pick it up. <laughs> right. It comes with so the they're, they're, yeah, yeah, they're glued to the bottom of it. I like the silicone brush on the bed mm-hmm. was another thing I noticed. And the door feels more solid. Oh, yeah. it's uh, I called it an Uncle Jesse proof door. because uncle jesse had a video where he tipped his k1 to look at something on the bottom the door flung open and it it snapped off yeah so it's like you uh, could still run into it and break it off i bet (laughs) it's it's not jj proof it's just yeah (laughs) i'm gonna swing open as quickly that's funny yeah but go ahead i'm sorry uh, the main thing is that i don't think it's really got full carbon fiber support just because the bend radius on the Bowden tube that feeds the extruder is has too tight of a bend radius. So as it feeds in, it, it can snap the filament. Mm-hmm. Huh. I'm going to try it this week. I've, I've got some, uh, I bought some Polymaker PA6. Yep. I, I, I tested the exact same stuff in it. It clogs on it, my printer. Is it? I'm going to put it in the dryer for like 12 hours before I put it in there. And Good luck. Uh, I'm going to see what happens. Oh, I'll see what happens. You had, <laughs> you had a problem with it? Yeah, I tried that exact same filament and uh, it snapped uh, and it, it had heat creep issues. The nozzle clogged. Um, one person commented asking what the nozzle diameter, what nozzle diameter I used. And apparently with that Polymaker PACF, uh, they recommend... I'm going to look this up, actually, because I don't want to be spreading uh, fake news here. But Polymaker PA6CF, um, they he's, he was saying that they recommend using a 0.6 millimeter nozzle. Hmm. But you have a you usually run a 0.6 millimeter nozzle. Yeah, but I don't have one for that machine because it's yeah. some right. weird proprietary thing that there's I can't do anything with right now. Right. Right. Yep. Yeah. And that's the other big issue I have with the machine is that they switch to a proprietary nozzle, which I generally dislike because you basically cut yourself off from the whole network of 3D printer parts that has been built up over the last 10 years. Yeah. yeah we talked about in the yeah. last episode how it seems like everybody's got these proprietary nozzles and nothing is interchangeable anymore. It kind of sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like slight changes makes sense like where everyone has a slightly different this or that but if you can still use a generic v6 nozzle or you know more standard ones it's like okay this is great but yeah some of these are getting very proprietary yeah very quickly weren't weren't you supposed to have some people from creality come visit you did that ever happen yeah they came is that in the future no they came to visit they were just coming in saying hi they didn't have a whole lot of time um yeah but yeah, just showed them around the lab. Um, tried to give them some feedback on things that they can improve. Hmm. We'll uh, see if that co- anything comes of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They didn't. They didn't bring bags of cash for you. I was hoping they would. 
<laughs> but they didn't, did they? Yeah, that's usually what they do. They they're always giving me bags of cash, no, <laughs> huge bags. Yeah. Now the only, pretty much the only deal I have with Creality is that they send me printers. I make videos about it, and occasionally they'll sponsor some stuff, but nothing like nothing like a repeated sponsorship yeah, or like. Yeah, I dig it. I dig it. Basically, just to cover costs for attending certain things. So I heard you mm-hmm. clicky clacking over there on your keyboard. Did you find if they were that poster I, was right? I'm trying. Nobody is saying that it requires a 0.4 millimeter nozzle. I mean, a 0.6 millimeter That's nozzle online. See, I looked. I, I read quite a bit about that stuff before I got it, and I don't remember ever saying anything about. A point six, but then again, I don't remember what I had for breakfast this morning. <laughs> right. Um, <clears throat> so we'll see what happens. I mean, I ended up having a nozzle clog, and the filament broke, snapped, oh, and no. it just didn't work very well at all. And mm. uh, then I had heat creep get up into the nozzle, so it like stuck permanently stuck some uh, of that filament into the nozzle in an area where I couldn't get it out. And on a normal hot end, you can take the nozzle off. And then you can take the heat break and it's just a straight hole all the way through. Yeah. So clearing clogs is really straightforward. But when everything's integrated into one unit, you know, how do you push stuff through when you've got solidified plastic past the heat break? You have to heat the entire thing up. So uh-huh. I guess I could have put it in like an easy bake oven, got everything to 350 <laughs> C and then slammed it through. But it's like, um, I've done that before, and I've used a, a soldering iron. Okay, yeah, I could have done heat that. Up the, heat up the yeah. nozzle to, to just, push the uh, stuff through. I just put a, a blowtorch on it for <laughs> five <laughs> yeah. minutes, and that didn't work. Fire, so fire, fire! <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's like it's you need to have really. I don't know. I, I'm not sure they did the proper testing to make sure it's 100% reliable with PACF because I was having I guess, issues with hmm. it. I guess I'll find out, won't I? Yeah. I'll, I'll let you know. So what do you got going on, uh, JJ? Wait, hold uh, on. One, one last thing. Uh, oh, I'm Guy, sorry. Just, just a word of advice when you do it. Uh, I would undo the Bowden tube and run it JJ style. Apparently JJ runs the spool yeah. coming straight into the hot end and bypassing uh-huh. the the, but you uh, got to have the lid on the thing, don't you? With carbon fiber, oh, yeah. it's less important to have the lid. I mean, it's good to have it, but um, carbon fiber reduces the thermal expansion issues that you usually have because carbon mm-hmm. fiber basically doesn't shrink when it cools off, so it helps stabilize the the size of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe I'll drill a hole in the top of the in the, in the lid. Yeah. <laughs> It'd have to be a pretty big hole or, you know, just leave it in the box. That's usually what you do, right? You just put the box over the top and. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, sorry for interrupting. Uh, uh-huh. No, it's all right. Yeah. No, I was just. I was, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, oh, yeah. I'm doing the same testing, the K1C. Um, I also got another video done this week on the King Rune, mm-hmm. whatever that printer was. <laughs> I In the video, kept calling it the, it's the KLP1. But I would switch between KLP or KPL1 of like, that's just some letters and it's not a good printer and no one should buy it. <laughs> I watched that. You said you said it was it was good if you want to spend a lot of time messing around with something. If you want, it's, it feels like an Ender, a base Ender 3 and buying one nowadays, it's like, if you want to do that, go for it. 
but <laughs> how would you compare it to the uh, the Ghost Six? Did you have that one? The flying. Yeah, button? yeah, yeah. Very sim. Probably better than the Ghost Six, honestly. Um, this one does have a probe on it. Um, I think the Ghost Six didn't even have a probe for auto bed leveling at all. Um, really. Uh, this one, the the fans were extremely annoying. Uh, they had this set fan to turn on when the processor would get to like 35 Celsius, which is like where it's going to be all the time. <laughs> so when you turn the fan, turn the printer on, this loud fan would kick on and off and on and off and on <laughs> oh, and off. Great, because <laughs> it would great. get to 32 degrees Celsius and then it would turn on and get it down to 29 and it would turn did, off. Did it have clipper? Yes, yeah, yeah. Could you you could go in and yes, change yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. So. I I quickly changed that and adjusted a few other of their macros that I didn't like. Um, but I was like, you shouldn't have to like. It should be decent, and you can optimize it. This was bad, and I had to optimize it. To yeah, just... So you're forced to optimize it. Yeah, yeah. It's not like it's a it's a fun thing to do. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, oh, if you want a printer that needs work on it <laughs> then this is a good one for that instead of working on it because you want to work on it which is way more fun to do of like oh i want this to be faster i want to change this macro this is like no you have to you really should <laughs> learn how to adjust macros in clipper that's funny uh, yeah well, i uh, guess it's not i guess it's not funny I mean, <laughs> yeah with it. it's just it's just you know we, we discuss this all the time about how far everything has advanced just in the last, you know, 13, 14 months. Mm-hmm. And uh, you see stuff like that. And it's like, you know, what are, what are you thinking? Yeah. Well, it, it's like, I, I don't know if it were me and I was, you know, come coming into the market, I would come in as trying to be a quality, you know, manufacturer. Yeah. I wouldn't be the trying to lowball everything and be the cheapest guy on the block. So, you know, you want to do you want to do competition against the guys that have the biggest market share, which is, mm-hmm. you know, your bamboo and creality. And right? I feel like it's one of those where the software is a big difference between a usable printer and a bad printer and like mm-hmm. if they had just put a good clipper config file in there, it would have been way more enjoyable to use versus all the things they did put on there. You know, it's amazing um, that people that do this for a living and are quote unquote engineers can't figure out a clipper config file, but yeah. you know, guys like me that can barely write their name in the ground with a stick can can figure shit out. Yeah. <laughs> it's a crazy world we live in. Yeah. But it would be way more enjoyable to get something cheap, like a, the Ender 3 SE where it's like a cheaper printer and then you get to upgrade it later on of like put a different nozzle on there, put a different 3d print some cable chains to customize the printer and make it yourself um, to start with a decent printer. But I don't know why some companies can't make a good config file or the whole stylus you had to use. You have to use a stylus. Oh, that's right. You had to use a stylus. The screen was tiny. And so if your finger (laughs) presses, more than one button going to, then nothing would happen. And so you had to use a little stylus to maneuver around oh, this tiny 
three and a half inch screen. Did it come with the stylus at least? Yes, it came with the stylus. Oh, that's, I guess that's a good thing. But it's like, oh, it's over there. I'll just use my finger. And then you're like, I can't, uh, I can't use my finger. I have to go get the stylus. <laughs> something else I had once that had a screen. It wasn't a 3D printer, but it had a screen like that. And you had to use a stylus on it. It just, it was, ne- like you said, it was never there when you needed it. Yeah. Or it's like right out of reach. Yeah, you don't want to go get that. Every printer I've ever purchased or or got had come with a stylus. And it's called an Allen key. Just pick up a little (laughs) Allen wrench, the smallest one, and just start poking at the screen. Just try not to scratch it. It'll work fine. Uh Yeah, yeah, it will. It will. It's just not as uh, elegant as having a little plastic Mm -hmm. stylus. But sometimes, you know, you don't always have an Allen key laying around either. And you were right on how it wears it out of like just a week of testing. The screen was all marked up from the stylus scratching <laughs> against it. It's like, oh, this isn't going to last. Give it six months of heavy usage. I, I still don't get why they put the screen on the and inside, inside of it. Yeah, it was designed so the first version of this printer didn't have a screen. And so then they just added the screen without like redesigning the redesigning the chassis or the acrylic panels at all. So the yeah. only place they could put it was inside. Speaking of screens, did you guys see that uh, new big tree tech, what do they call it, a panda pad or some crap like that? Yeah, it yeah. looks like it gets like two FPS. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sick of screens that are slow. Yeah. Yeah, low refresh rate really changes the usability of something. I think we're well, all spoiled I, with our smartphones, everything so <laughs> yeah. instant. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I when I actually bought one of those when they first announced it. They sent an email blast mm. out, and like the first forty people got it at twenty nine ninety nine. I was one of those people. Nice. So I went to the website and I got it. Yeah. What the heck? It's thirty bucks. Mm-hmm. I'll give it a day in court. I haven't got it yet. Uh yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I don't even really need it. All I know is I want it. <laughs> It seems cool, or just way better than the screen on the P1P. <laughs> yeah, that Which, does drive me a little bit nuts. I do most of the stuff from the from the from the desktop, mm-hmm. but still, when I go out to the garage, you can't. I, I still am using my phone to do everything, and I yeah, it's a pain in the ass. I'd much rather have something on the on the machine itself, mm-hmm. something you can actually touch and use. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have much going on in the shop this way. It was too damn cold, and I, I was gonna yeah. uh, do a, the the video for the Ender Three V Three Ke, but I I couldn't do it because my furnace is like right there next to me. And it's <laughs> nonstop, and I usually turn it off yeah. for a couple hours while I do it, and it, the house doesn't cool off. But it was you know like it was like negative five. Oof. There's no way I'm turning the furnace off for at all. And it just ran constantly for like four or five days. So, yeah, it's um, dangerous using a printer next to an open flame. You might be tempted to throw it in there and it starts acting. <laughs> it's not an open flame. Oh. Well, I'd figure out a way to mod it to be an open flame. I, I yeah. figured, I figured. It's just noisy. Mm-hmm. Is what it is, and the other thing that I had because uh, my my garage would only get up to without the I've got an auxiliary heater, 
that I use. It's got a blower fan in it. Uh, without that on, it was like 48 degrees in there. So that thing was going constantly too. And just to keep it at, at 60, the garage, it was, you know, it was cold and noisy out there. So I, have an idea. I didn't get any, just, any taping done. Just turn all of your heated beds of all your printers on. That's not, that's not going to be enough. <laughs> that's what it was down. To, uh, I'm in the basement and uh, last week when it was really cold, if I had a few printers running in here, it would get nice and warm in here <laughs> and then they'd turn off and it would get cold again. Yeah. So it's, no, it's I, I, don't, I don't think it would it would do my garage. Like Not that. quite a freezing garage. Yeah. It sounds like the premise of a horror movie. You have to keep printing, otherwise you die. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Print or die. Survival. Yeah. There, there you go. There's a there's a there's an idea. Yeah. For one of your one of your fun videos, Nathan. Okay. I, I still remember one of the first videos I saw from you was the silence of the fans. Yeah. <laughs> Where you're lowering the, the fans into the pit. Yep. It's that was, uh, pretty, that was pretty funny. That was pretty funny. That was pretty funny. Uh, all right, you guys ready to take a question? Yeah. Oh, before I take a question, I want I want to give some uh, feedback we got from who are Selnerk. Yeah, just butcher <laughs> it as bad as you can. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he actually included how to say it. it says who are sell new RC. Who are sell nerk? Herzl nerk. It says he's commenting. I, I, I we were talking about glue again, and I said that uh, Loctite is basically epoxy. And he wrote, "Hi guy, uh, Loctite is not basically epoxy." <laughs> Very different chemistry, but I agree, even the low adhesion, it may be too much for a 3D print. I'd recommend nail polish for that. I've never tried that. That actually sounds mm -hmm. like a good idea. But in general, only glue works, really works, and uh, made it to still a still standing DIN. I don't know what that means. Still standing DIN. Also, thumbs up for a glue topic. Um, Here's anyways, a yeah. Yeah. Um, has any of your glue frozen in the garage right now? No, it hasn't gotten that cold. Okay. It hasn't gotten mm. below 32. Um, no. You can't use glue when it gets that cold out, though. It actually it, it, it actually has a, what they call a chalk temperature. And either if it's, if it's too hot, all the moisture evaporates out of it. It turns to chalk. If it gets too cold, it turns to chalk. So you have to be, temperature has to be just right, depending on what kind of glue uh, you use. So it like won't, it won't bond things. It'll turn to powder. Yeah. You're saying, yeah. Like permanently, uh, like the whole bottle goes bad or. Yeah. The whole bottle can go bad. Sure. Okay. Mm, I've seen yeah. uh, people that have, have you know, have cold garages or a unheated garage and they make little, it almost looks like a, a hen hatchery. You know, they got a, a light bulb in there and foil line a cabinet so they can keep their glue in the garage. <laughs> Woodworkers are a strange bunch. Yeah. <laughs> Nathan's going, oh my God. <laughs> I thought why that was weird. So you ready to take a question? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. All right. This comes from Van. 
And he says, I recently found your podcast, which has quickly become one of my go-to pods when commuting to and from work. Oh, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I got to add some audience cheering. <laughs> <laughs> so my question is more of an observation of, of sorts. Whenever I print darker PLA, I have noticed more stringing than lighting color, lighter colors. I use the same brand for my PLA and I use the same material profile for all colors. I only change things like the number of walls, top bottom layers, or infill according to the item I am printing at the time. Sounds very pragmatic. My temperatures for the bed and hot end never change. I do not have very much stringing, but it is more noticeable when I print in black or a darker color. I would like to know if this has been your experience or if it just might be my brand's formulation of darker colors causing the stringing. And is it practical to change the hot end temp per color? Thanks in advance and keep up the great content, Van. I thought this would be a good question because now can we talk about that? But, you know, I don't think we ever really talked much about, you know, the different uh, sheen or finish that you get with the different temperatures and, you know, just all the different things that, that go along with that. So what do you, what do you think of this JJ? Have you yeah. had, th- you had that kind of experience before? Uh-huh. I have had even same brand, just different color, um, gets different results from it because there are different, the different pigments, um, and mixtures they're using in each spool color can be, can affect your prints. Definitely. Um, and so you might need to bump up some temperatures. I don't know exactly if it's a light to dark scale, um, like Van's theory was, um, it could just be just a different pigment they're using in there conducts heat slightly differently than another pigment does. Um, so you can totally need to bump up temperatures. And if you are finding issues like this, I have found that usually means I'm on the bottom end of temperature and it's like, I probably should just bump it up five degrees anyways, instead of 200, let's just use 205 and it works across my range of filaments instead. Um, I I know I've, I've, I've watched videos where people talk about how they, you know, they uh, tune their printer for specific, not only a particular brand of filament, but particular color of that brand. I think I'd go insane if I had to do that for, if I got that granular on every roll of filament I did. What about, what about you, Nathan? Do you do that stuff like that? Um, no, not, not really. I just, (laughs) I just have like one or two colors, whatever happens to be the one that I grab first is what I use. But do you change the, the, the heat profile or any of the the printing profile based on color? No, I just set it to 220 and let her rip. (laughs) (laughs) Do you do the whole tuning thing where you you test the stringing and how it lays down and all that? I've only tried to do that on printers that had severe issues. And and I never feel like it's worth the time. I'm like, let me just throw this printer away and get one that works out of the box. Yeah, yeah. I've, I'm kind of the yeah. same way. I've tuned stuff before, but mostly with the, the, the speed, trying to, to get, mm-hmm. you know, uh, better print out of it. But I just mostly like you, I'm at like 205 to 220 temperature. And I just use the, 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 the profile that comes with the slicer. And mm-hmm. since I use, you know, 
Prusa-based slicers, they, that's usually pretty good. Uh, and I feel like one's come out here. the whole filament <laughs> processing has done so much better nowadays that it just doesn't need as much tuning as things used to need. Um, one thing with stringing on a random spool could just be moisture is the one thing I have found when a spool is acting up or acting weird. I pop it in the dehydrator for a few hours and then it starts working beautifully again. And it's like, ah, yeah, that was it. That's nothing. I've never had any problem. I don't think anyways with PLA in that regard. I've never had mm. it with, P- with PETG before, mm-hmm. but not, not with ABS or PLA. I leave that stuff laying out all the time. I've never, I've had I don't where, think I've had an issue. Where it's sitting out for an, a year or so or longer. Well, you also have to remember JJ's living in uh, Alabama, right? A lot of yeah, Alabama could be a lot of different humidity of different regions can totally affect things. Or sure, um, so yeah, and it's oh. it's weird. Some spools don't like some spools can be really old and still work beautifully. And then just today, I was trying to use some old Flash Forge white, and it started cracking in the Bowden, reverse Bowden tube going into the printer, and I was like, oh what? This is so weird. And so I had to like flush it all out. Um, So yeah, some spools go bad after a while versus some spools will last years and still print identically. I I think we've talked about this before. One of the the big things in woodworking is wood movement. It's all based Hmm. on how much moisture the the wood um, absorbs or wicks off. And it really doesn't affect stuff in the house as much as you would think because houses are pretty much humidity controlled. I know my house is. So the humidity never really changes that much. You know, yeah. It's like 50% humidity in here all the time. If that, 40, 40 something humidity in the house. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that has something to do with it too. What about uh, the you know, the different sheens on the finishes with the different temperatures and the speed. That is something I have noticed quite a bit. Is that sometimes yeah. I'll like mm-hmm. bump up speed and all of a sudden I look at the, the part is done. I look at the, look at it. And it's like one part is shiny and the other half is matte. Yeah. That's a lot more of an issue nowadays with high speed printers. Like back in the day, everything came out glossy because <laughs> you're only printing at 40 or 60 millimeters a second. And now that we're pushing like 200 and, like 300 and 400 millimeters per second speeds, and you got really powerful part, part cooling fans. Like sometimes the um, the filament comes out a little bit under temperature, which I think is what causes it, but I'm not 100% sure. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to have some really well, cool I, data for us. I did do some analysis just to see if this was potentially an issue. But um, there's three forms of heat transfer, right? There's conduction when you touch something and it's hot it transfers heat into your hand there's uh, convection like when you blow on something and the, the air going past it carries away some of the heat and then there's radiation so something that's kind of interesting about um, about different colored objects and different surface finishes of different materials is that uh, the actual amount of radiative heat transfer that occurs is dependent on the color and uh, and surface finish of a part. So hmm. I was thinking, like, hmm, I wonder if that plays a role. 
did some calculations. It's like a tenth of a watt. It's like really not a big difference between different colors. But like the difference between a um, like a polished metal object and like something that's pitch black like tar or coal, um, they'll radiate different amounts of heat at temperature. And it's like a bigger deal in space and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> but like in, in 3D printer applications, you're mostly using polymers that are all roughly the same kind of emissivity is what the like the reflectivity and all that. These e- are like emissivity. Yeah, em- like how much uh, like radiative heat gets emitted from an object. It's like a made up word, I guess. <laughs> you Aren't just all made words it up made now, up? or no? I've never it's heard the... that before. Never heard that. Yeah, before. yeah. It's the ratio of the energy radiated from a material to the radiated from a perfect emitter, known as a black body. So, um, yeah, basically, okay. emissivity <laughs> sure. of one means it's like something like really dark, like uh, coal or or tar or something really dark. And then emissivity of like 0.5 would be something really shiny, like uh, polished aluminum or something. Okay. And uh, yeah. Um, but, you know, all the polymers are roughly the same emissivity. So it's not that big of a factor. But if you're 3D printing in space, it might matter. Yeah. But so so you're saying the color <laughs> isn't really going to make that much of a difference. But the, 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 the temperature you're printing at and the speed are a big thing. Yeah, temperature you're printing at and speed and part cooling settings. What gives, so you're saying the faster you print, the more matte it becomes? Yeah, so um, basically when you print faster, your extrusion cools down. You can think of it like, uh, uh, think of the hot end as like a pizza oven or like one of those toasted sub conveyor belts where you put it (laughs) in one end and it goes through and then it comes out the other end. Well, the faster you're running that machine, the less time you have to heat up the plastic or whatever else. So you're going to you're going to start departing from like the ideal temperature. If you get colder, the faster you go, even if the hot end is the same temperature, it'll have less time to soak the temperature into that plastic by the time it exits the other side. So let me let me ask this question, then, since we've, we've gone down this path, all these new fast and hyper and all these new PLAs that are formulated to, to be run at the, on the higher speeds. Have you noticed any difference in the, the, the sheen of those running at different speeds? Um, I imagine it'd be less of an issue. The main thing with those is they liquefy and become less viscous. Um, mm. So it's easier to pass it through the nozzle. Um, would it become more viscous? Well, here's the thing. Uh, yeah, so the, the lower the temperature something is, the more viscous it is, for generally speaking. But if you have two different polymers, like one is a high-speed, really melty filament, and one's like a standard filament, the one that's more melty should, uh, should be less lower viscosity. But the other thing is, if you make something more liquid, more liquidy, it uh, will have a shinier surface finish, generally speaking. Right? You know this from glue, intuitively. Right, <laughs> right guy? No, I don't. 
like if you have super glue that's like super liquidy well i guess it can kind of frost up in the end after it solidifies so there's like mm -hmm. a lot of yeah stuff to it but so like, you're saying that the 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 fast plas are going to be shinier i would guess like that's my assumption that they would be glossier because they're going to be more liquidy if that makes sense yes but, but I don't really understand how matte PLA ends up being matte in the first place. Like, do they add chalk to it? They add some yeah, of that? It's, it's usually an additive to get all these, the shiny, the matte, and the normal filaments. It's an additive. Um, and I was thinking how you never see, you never see any silk hyper PLAs because you're trying to print faster and you need even more meltiness to get that beautiful silk finish on a silk pla or silk filament in general yeah so they're, probably... they're, they're they've got to put something in there to reduce the reflectiveness of it they do the mm -hmm. same thing in finishes for furniture they'll they, they put stuff in there that reduces the the reflectivity reflectiveness reflect reflectivity i don't know mm, um yeah and it, it that's what causes it to become more dull or satin than a, than a gloss finish. But that is one thing with uh, with tuning in these uh, large nozzles that I've been playing with. It's yeah. really interesting to see how much a five degree change will really affect the surface finish um, or speeding it up by a few millimeters per second difference going from five to seven uh, will drastically um, change the meltiness, how much the <laughs> filament is actually heated up in the time it's spent in the hot end. Um, so it will drastically affect how much it changes. And the surface finish will go from bubbly and boiling to matte and underheated very quickly. Well, the one thing I've definitely learned from this conversation is that meltiness is a really cool word. And I like saying it. <laughs> yeah. This whole hobby is all about meltiness. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's a great word, man. Yeah. Anything Everybody, else you want to add, Nathan? Um, it's a good question. I mean, so <laughs> with the the filaments, when they produce them, they add like a ratio of like one percent of the the pigment pellets into the plastic. So mm -hmm. I I mean, it's intuitively it makes me think like, oh man, it really shouldn't make that big of a difference because it's like ninety nine percent one thing. But, you know, when chemi chemistry gets involved, you never know like how yeah. that's going to mm -hmm. affect everything. Well, I, I, most pigments are made from different materials, too. Mm -hmm. Like a red pigment is made from a different material than a yellow pigment is. Right? Yeah. And so do any filaments it, it contain... Will... Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Do any filaments contain dyes? Because there's a difference between a pigment, a, a pigment and a dye. <laughs> I was going to say a figment of my imagination, but... Uh, there's pigments and uh, dyes. Mm. They're usually made know. with pellets or powder. Um, yeah. But is I don't that know a if pigment? Those, if those pellets are made with dyes or made with pigments, I don't know. From what I understand, the um, pigments are like solid objects and dyes change the color of things. Versus like a pigment is going to just like deposit itself or mix in with something and make it change like look a different color versus a dye can like chemically change the color or something. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. 
Sounds yeah, we good. need. To, we, yeah, need yeah. we need to get like a, a resident artist and. Uh, uh, well, we've got an electrical engineer. We've yeah. got an electrical engineer, a mechanical engineer. We need a, a chemical engineer. I'm chemical, sure. yeah. That's not me. So, all right. Well, let's let's move on to the next question here, and this comes from James. This is one of James' 10 questions he sent in. This is question number two. He said, I'd be interested to hear from hearing you guys discuss safety with respect to fumes and plastic particles, and of course, fire. I'm planning to park my EV3 SE on a tall cabinet close to a large bathroom vent fan but I can already see the attraction of an enclosed core XY machine for better capture and control of fumes and particles. So I recently just put, and I'll show you guys right here. I, I have my Voron in my office now. And the other day, the, the, the big Voron, and the other day I printed, uh, it was like a three hour ABS print. Mm, yeah. And I've got a, uh, charcoal bag in the filter unit or the, the exhaust fan coming out the back and I have a Nevermore on the inside. I didn't smell anything coming out of that. But I don't know, just because you can't smell anything, is there still a danger of the particles going in the air? Well, yeah. So there's this idea that like uh, you become desensitized to smells that you yeah. interact with a lot. Mm. Um, like, well, I don't interact with ABS a lot because I've always printed out my garage. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe it's like I'm related to it. Maybe it's related to another paint or uh glue that you huffed in the, in the no, past. but I mean, if I print PLA in here on another machine, I can smell it. Yeah. Hmm. But they're different but chemicals. I, yeah. I, I understand what you're saying, but I've printed, a, I've printed a lot more PLA than I have ABS. So you'd think if I'm, you know, used to the smell of anything, it would be PLA. Yeah. So what's yeah. what causes um, ABS to smell? It's the particles in the air. Yeah. Well, I heard that it's got uh, it's VOCs versus because there's two types of emissions. There's VOCs, which are like gasoline releases VOCs, and volatile then, organic compounds. Yeah, so like anything that'll evaporate and like kind of turn into a gas. And mm -hmm. then uh, there's there's microparticles, which is like smoke. So smoke mm -hmm. is actual like physically little balls of carbon or whatever else that's been dispersed into the air. And it's a solid, not a gas. So like there, there's two different types of things. And I think the VOCs are the ones that are more prone to getting like desensitization from. Like it's an issue with people that work in chemistry labs where if you get exposed to a lot of acetone, you stop smelling the acetone. But it still poses a exposure hazard to you. So you need, sure. you need a parakeet sure. or something or a, to, to your <laughs> nose. But is, okay, let's say I am, you know, desensitized to, to smelling it. Is it, is it dangerous? It could be. I mean, uh just because you don't smell it doesn't mean it's not there. Um, I, I understand. Yeah. But I mean, it's dangerous. 
it probably depends on you know the chemical and your exposure level to it um yeah. i would say like i would always err on the side of limiting as much exposure as possible and yeah. i think you know having your printer set up in a bathroom or any kind of ventilated room is an order of magnitude better than being in a sealed room with it so you just want to be able to you want to have that air exchange happening i mean you said it's a bathroom fan i wonder if it's in a bathroom and it's like you know uh, certain things happen in the bathroom that don't smell good and there's a big difference between <laughs> having a fan on and not having the fan on yeah it really can move some air I've got a uh, little VOC monitor here in the room and it never, which I don't do. I only do PLA printing in this room. If I do the bulk of my printing is in a different room that I'm not in. Um, Mm -hmm. But in here I can tell when a printer's printing PLA, it'll blip up barely, but it's still orders of magnitude below the safe levels. Like it's still perfectly safe to have one PLA printer in the same room as you. And that's every, every study I've seen that have looked into the safety of 3d printing. Um, it's like, well, if you're running 50 machines in the same room that you're in all day, every day, then yeah, it's dangerous. But like one printer seems to be safe, um, from every study I've seen on it. Mm-hmm. That, um, that makes me feel better. Cause I, I mean, I've yeah. got machines from my office and, except for the big Voron, I've never really printed anything but PLA in here. And they've always, mm-hmm. they've always been like, you know, at max, like an hour, hour and a half print. Yeah. You know, anything longer than that, I'm printing on one of the machines in the garage because I don't want to mm-hmm. listen to it. Yeah, I'm the same way around here. Um, yeah. And the little scale has never gone anywhere dangerous. And I have just a basic little air filter behind me and it, I, even with that, I can tell a difference of the dip in VOCs in the room. When it's not on and I'm printing, it'll blip up a little bit, and then you turn the air filter on and it drops back down to zero again. Um, yeah. So, yeah. That's so, why I mean, it's my thoughts on safety. <laughs> I think it's good to be aware of you know potential hazards, mm-hmm. but it's also you know you have to balance the risk versus reward of anything you're doing like cooking releases VOCs and microparticles into the air. And it's just a matter of like what level of risk do you find acceptable? As you said, you know, bad things that happen in bathrooms. Yeah. Can that's cause... that's going to have some yeah. VOCs, right? <laughs> I remember, uh, yeah. I remember uh, now I'm really going to get into the weeds. I remember during COVID, they were saying, you know, that there was fecal transfer right. of COVID from people farting. Yeah, because uh, that, if you can uh, smell a fart, you're smelling fecal particles, and it was they said, "Oh, you, if somebody farts, get away from them." I, I do that anyways. <laughs> I know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. But I'm just yeah. saying. I, I just think it's funny. I just think it's funny. Yeah. So that whole situation, uh, the the you know what you're talking about, that was really an issue with. Uh, it was before COVID. There was uh, SARS. Mm. There was SARS before that. The like SARS. You know, everyone was worried that yes, everyone was going to yeah. get that and die. Um, but one of the big outbreaks was caused by what you're talking about with the farting. Bathroom. Yeah, didn't it? It traveled through the plumbing of an apartment building, or something about like it went 
somehow it went through the plumbing and was able to move between floors of a large building. Yeah, we'd have to look something it up. Like it, yeah, it's yeah, some yeah. crazy thing like that. <laughs> there was something crazy about that. Is one stinky fart? Yeah. Wow. Deadly, silent but deadly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we've really devolved we've really devolved i'm sorry i'm sorry to bring it up um but other i know i know nathan you're always talking about fire as a hazard yeah i mean are, are 3d printers any more prone to catching fire than like a toaster i would say it's probably less prone to catching on fire than a toaster <laughs> yeah. i don't know 100 percent, but the thing is that the build quality on so many printers is so low. <laughs> There's no safety fallback. Especially, especially if, if I've built them or you've modded them. <laughs> I would say I, I tend to improve them. Uh, but, you know, yeah. I think things should be – there's no standards. There's no safety standards on any of this stuff. So mm-hmm. a lot of it is just getting shipped and there's no oversight. Um, yeah. It would be nice to have some kind of like – governing body or at least some kind of voluntary standard that uh, companies could follow. But I mean, sure. if it's mm-hmm. as long as it's the, the power um, and JJ would probably know more about this than all of us. Um, but I think it has to do a little bit more with, and I, I'm probably wrong with um, the machine drawing more power than the power supply can provide that will cause it to overheat mm-hmm which could cause problems and then grounding issues also. Well, here's the inherent hazard that exists for all 3d printers or virtually all 3d printers is that you're printing with a flammable material mm-hmm. and you're putting enough power into the hot end to potentially get it up to 600 degrees, which is enough to cause it to ignite. So yeah. it's like having an automobile and being like, Oh, there's no fire hazard here. It's like, no, you have to harness the inherent flammability and volatility of the the stuff that you're using in order to get anything done. But how how mm-hmm. often does that happen where you've got, you know, a runaway heater on a hot end? I've had it happen at least once. And I've had people send pictures in of melted down hot ends. And if aluminum's melting, then it's hot enough to light plastic on fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And usually there I feel like printers are getting better and better, but it's also something I don't test as much anymore of the thermal runaway. If you disconnect the thermistor, then what's going to happen if you tell the printer to heat up and it should be like, Oh, it's not heating as expected auto shut down. But if the software isn't set up correctly, then it can just blow past. It's like, Oh, the heater isn't heating up. That means I should apply more power. And so it just, keep supplying power to the hot end until mm-hmm. it melts the aluminum and everything else burns things. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite type of safeties are ones that are like physical in nature. Mm-hmm. So like having a, a lot of like AC heated beds will have a little fuse that will pop when uh, it gets over like 140 C or something. Mm-hmm. And that's a really nice uh, safety feature. And you could incorporate that technology into hot ends and just have it you know, basically automatically shut down if it ever gets over like 350 C. And that's something that I think would be good to have general, like universally. Now Mm -hmm. there are small appliances that are, are small halon devices. It's like the size of a spray can. 
Mm-hmm. And when they get to a certain temperature, they'll actually spray halon. Oh yeah, on something. Yeah, so yeah. they'll have them in of... like military vehicles too. Like if anything catches on fire, they just yeah. But, just... but these are these are designed for something. You could put them in an enclosure. You could probably put it in a Core XY machine, mm-hmm. and if something caught fire in there, it would disperse the halon and put it out. I feel like this used to be a popular thing back when I was getting into the hobby. I would see people doing that, putting it over printers. Cause this was back when the a net a eight was a really popular fire starter of a machine. <laughs> it really lit uh, the fire of this industry. Yeah. Really had oh. some big fires caused by that machine. Um, so everyone was more looking into it. Um, but nowadays I feel like there's, just parts are getting better and stuff, so I trust it more than I used to. I do remember that one video uh, Nathan did where he was showing the the how uh, one of the aluminum heat blocks is just liquefied. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember Wild. what printer that was. Yeah, that was my Mingda Magician X3. <laughs> it was, which, oh, was nice. magic. I prefer not to <laughs> yeah. be associated with that incident. <laughs> but... You know, it is what it is. If something like that happens, then I want to share that with people so you know what kind of safety hazards there are with this stuff. Mm-hmm. Wasn't there a problem with the bamboos at one time? They were talking about thermal runaway and somebody discovered it and yeah. it got it got changed real quick. Yeah, apparently they had like a, I don't know what it was, like a two or 10 minute, some really long timer for their thermal runaway protection. Mm-hmm. And in that amount of time, you have enough heat to get the... Um, Heating element glowing hot, which under the right conditions could potentially touch something and start a fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I just, I guess I'm just not that worried about it. I, I think I should, I should be, but I just, I don't know if I can be. There's so many other things in my house that I just, that are, that plug into a wall that I assume are going to be okay. It's yeah. like, do I have to worry about a cheap, you know, alarm clock next to my bed that's going to like all of a sudden catch fire because it was cheaply made? I mean, it's possible, but a lot of them I'm have. Sure, like, it's possible. Yeah. They have Anything like, is possible. Like a lot of them have certain uh, like underwriters listings and stuff. Yeah, where that's you, true. Mm-hmm. You send it to a test lab and they yeah. verify that like you different failure modes don't result in anything catastrophic like space heaters. Um, they'll all have this tipping sensor. If you ever mm-hmm. tip the space mm-hmm. heater over, it usually shuts off. Yeah. But you're right about the underwriter lab mm-hmm. stuff. And uh, these printers definitely have, have not <laughs> gone through under, underwriter lab. Testing. No. <laughs> but yeah, I do think I agree with that of uh, there's a certain level of safety that you can only you can only go so far with safety, and to be ultimately safe, we wouldn't have printers. But yeah, you'd never but, leave the house. Yeah, yeah, they are point. pretty safe, I think. Yeah, I agree. I don't think they're that big of a safety hazard. Like, uh, and just be around when it's printing, and you know, be available to stop it if anything goes bad. And it's it's a little bit different than a toaster because a toaster you press the button and like. 10 seconds later, your toast is done. Versus yeah. a printer, it's like, oh, shoot, this thing's going to be running for 16 hours. I'm going to go to the gas station or something. 
go get a yeah. pack of smokes or something. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't drawing a direct comparison to uh, toasters, but just, I, I was just speaking generally, mm-hmm. just things that you plug in that you don't give a second thought to. Right, like a washer yeah. or dryer, like those yeah. could certainly do something. Yeah, mm-hmm. you just don't think about it. So, anyways. All right. Well, I think that's I think that's going to do it. That was uh, that was a lot of fun. I learned I learned a lot. I learned that uh, what was the word? I Emissivity. What's that? Emissivity, right? No, oh, no, right. meltiness. Meltiness. That's another good meltiness one. Meltiness is a fun word to say. Word of the day. Meltiness. It is. It is. All right. And uh, thanks. And, and remember, we really need questions and participation from you, the listeners. So make, make sure to go to perfectfirstlayer.com, go to the submit page and ask us. And if they don't want to go to the web page and they want to email us a question, where do they get, where do they send that to Nathan? You can or, email or us at perfectfirstlayer at gmail.com. Nice. And why don't you tell everybody where you can be found at, JJ? I'm on YouTube. Just look for JJ Shankles. All right. Nathan? I'm on YouTube as well. Look up Nathan Builds Robots. Okay. I can be found uh, uh, at Guy's Shop on YouTube. So thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, it's great talking to you guys. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Bye. See ya.